1: Today on the Zavecast, it's his party and he'll pout if he wants to. Paul Pierce and the great video tribute controversy. Do you really have big balls if you just hit two free throws in the NBA? That plus an update on the feminist civil war. Andy Poland on the NFL playoffs and how far away are the skins. Also, the NFL's new charity trend, giving money to your hated rival. Got 45 minutes to kill? Then buckle up and let's go. Thursday, Jan 18, 2018. Sun has come up here in the DMV, and it has come out, and the weather is improving. We are heading towards the 50s this weekend, and we will take it. It's funny, because that uh, belong to a small, a small, humble private golf club, a country club out in the country where I live. It is nothing fancy, but it's a it's a really nice place. It's an old school course. It's got very tiny little greens. It's a parkland type of course with big stands of pine trees and other stuff and not very long. In fact, uh, Billy Hurley, who you may remember from winning the uh, PGA Tour event at Congressional Country Club two summers ago, uh, who's a local kid from Northern Virginia, uh, went to the Naval Academy was outstanding there, served his full commitment to the naval, uh, to the Navy, and then, you know, went out on tour and won a tour event here in D.C. in his hometown at Congressional. Well, he uh, grew up playing at this very uh, club that I belong to. I guess I can say the name, right? It's Loudoun Golf and Country Club. Anyway, so the weather, it's getting a little bit nicer. It's going to be a high of 53, apparently, on Saturday and Sunday. And so I get the email chain from the group of guys uh, that have reached out to me as a new member to say, hey, you want to play with us? And they're emailing. They're like, I'm in for Saturday. I'm in for let's go. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I should play. But, you know, 53 is a high. It's not going to be super warm. It's going to be 53 for about five minutes at maybe four in the afternoon once the day has had all day to warm up. And who knows what the wind's going to be. But these guys are crazy. They'll, They'll play... Any time, basically, they can. And it's been a tough winter to get some golf in. But eh, maybe I'll think about it. All right, enough about the weather, Zabe. Let's talk about your Zabe cast here. What are you going to entertain me, monkey? Come on. Dance. First of all, thank you for the feedback. I did ask for it. And as I got a lot of feedback from a lot of places, and most of it overwhelmingly positive, every time I open everyone, anyone's email, I cringe. Because, like any human being, we're all sensitive. You know, you don't want to be told, You suck! But most of it's been very positive. I would say that it's probably 50-50 on the swearing with more people saying, slightly more people saying, it's fine. Uh, you know, I listen to podcasts in which they're swearing. It doesn't bother me. Others have said, hey, you know what, you could, do a, you could do less of it. A lot of it's not necessary and it probably will help you with guests and or advertisers somewhere down the line. Not everybody likes Jay. Uh, in fact, one guy said he couldn't believe that I would have somebody on spewing such hatred by calling people Uncle Toms and uh, talking about white privilege and blah blah blah. And you know, I said I replied nicely to the guy and I said, "Well, Jay's responsible for his own comments." And I said maybe if you really don't like Jay, if he's not funny, and you don't like him, then maybe just skip the day that Jay is on. Well, that what I thought. Nice letter back to one listener prompted an even angrier email saying oh, so the onus is on me then. Is that it? Well, I question anyone's judgment who would even have him on and so for that I am done with you. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) It was just a suggestion. Not everybody likes Andy. Uh, Even though I like Andy. Just like I like Jay. Not everybody thinks Drew is necessary every week. Let me you, let you in on a little something here about why I've got these guys. First of all, I like all of them, and they all speak the language of sports. Uh, all three, Jay, Andy, and Drew. And they're just three friends of Zabe in my orbit of people that can speak the language of sports and can talk at a tempo and do a, 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 a miniature show, a, a podcast, that you know, you don't have to sit there and explain things. You know, they, they're, they're good like that. They're smart. They know things. I respect them. So there's that. Secondly, Jay has use of an ISDN machine at a time in which we can tape a once a week thing. Same thing with Drew Olson. Andy, I meet up in the car like some creepy affair I'm having (laughs) with my former radio partner sitting in a car in a parking lot for 30 minutes. And the reason that this is important to me is I'm a stickler as much as I can for quality. I want... ISDN quality, virtual studio quality for taping these. I don't really want to do a lot of telephone stuff. And I've tried some other stuff that's out there that tries to get around this issue of getting guests on for podcasts and getting the best quality out of the interview you possibly can in terms of audio. In fact, there's a website called Zencaster that has a pretty interesting concept. They take the audio from your guest's computer the audio from your computer as you're talking into your computer's microphone. And it records each separately and then uploads both to their central server, syncs them up, meshes them together, processes it, and then you can download the file and go and edit from there. And I said, that's genius. Then I tried it. And I listened. And it sucked. (laughs) But it's the concept that's good. Now, we could have had a better quality if I had my Uh, USB microphone plugged into the computer Uh, if my guest uh, Jimmy Shapiro had any kind of USB microphone which he does not uh, but he could go get one, they're not very expensive that would have improved the quality, there was still a bit of a lag though and that's the key thing anytime you're doing any kind of interview or show more importantly over you know, distance it's the lag time like for example today Bob and Brian were out on remote at uh, a local business, uh, uh, Gales, G-E-H-L-S. They make liquefied nacho cheese. And whenever the boys are on remote, it's tough because there is about a one-second lag between me and them. Whereas when I'm just broadcasting with those guys every day in studio, the... Transmission lag on ISDN technology is no more than maybe two, you know, I think it's measured in milliseconds. It, I think it's like 0.20 milliseconds, or maybe it's just 0.2 seconds. It's very tight. And when I do a show, it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of timing. It's right, ta 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 ta, ta, ta. So if you wait for a second, you lose the whole flow of things. And I think a lot of podcasts are interviews. In which you say, uh, we have uh, now uh, Mr. Uh, James Cronbeck, who is the director of Middle East Affairs, who's going to talk to us today about blah, blah, blah. And the host will ask a question and stop. And the uh, interview subject will then answer. And then the host will ask another question. And the subject will answer. And back and forth it goes. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's just not the style of what I want to do. I want to have a conversation. I want it to be rat-a-tat-tat. I want there to be some crossover, uh, two of us talking at the same time, that, that sort of natural kind of feel to it. So all these guys, Jay, Andy, and Drew, I like. Uh, they're good. They're available. Uh, they're cheap, and they're available. Sort of like Spurrier once said about wide receivers, they're cheap and available because all of them know that I can't pay them for this. Uh, I have not even promised them payment in the future because who knows if any money is going to ever flow from this. But they like doing it. And so that's why I do it with those guys. I will try to find, I'm going to keep trying to find guys that have uh, either ISDN or make visits to go tape some of these with guys who are good. For example, tomorrow on the show, Drew McGarry, writer for GQ and writer for Deadspin, and another guy who is a Hard-ass lefty. I mean, Drew writes some of the most withering screeds uh, from the left. But guess what? I don't care. I'm going to talk to him about Bill Simmons and sports, and I'm going to uh, opt out of engaging him on any level of, really, really, do you believe that, you know, and get into that with him? Because I don't care. I just want to talk sports with him. And that, I'm sure, is going to anger a lot of people. A lot of people who know me... And my general political orientation will then hear Drew on and say, oh God, I can't believe it. Why, why would you have this guy on? And they'll send me links to articles and other stuff, and I will say, I don't care. I don't care. I want to talk to Drew about sports and media and writing and Bill Simmons and the Vikings and a lot of different things. So, But that was a good one. I went to uh, Drew's house, and I sat down and... Interviewed him with just little, you know, clip-on mics so that we're not sitting there stare That's the other thing, too. If you get a microphone like this and you put a subject in front of it, it's very, it puts you on edge. It's like you go, hmm, i got to be careful what I say I'm talking into a microphone now. If I talk to a guy just putting a, a microphone clip to his shirt and we're just talking, you forget the microphone is there. And that really is the key to having a natural back-and-forth conversation. Uh, is there going to be any sports today on the Zabecast, or just you talking about? Yeah, we're going to get to the sports. Okay. Let's do the whiz last night. They give up 77 at home. Or excuse me, 77. This is on the road. 77 in the first half to the Charlotte Hornets and get blown out of the building. And en route to that blowout, there was a, a, a skirmish, a, a bit of a, a to-do, that resulted in technical fouls being assessed. And because of the players who had been given texts and had been ejected, Uh, Apparently, the Wizards and Coach Scott Brooks had the right to pick a player for the Hornets to go shoot free throws. Someone who was uh, on the court but not involved in the skirmish. And so Brooks picked Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is a terrible free throw shooter. And he did it because, well, duh, even though you're getting blown out by 20 points, you're still supposed to try, right? And part of the trying is to make the most logical decision strategic decision, and that's what he did by picking 53% shooter Dwight Howard. So Howard goes to the line, he's looking over at Brooks, sort of amused and smiling and like, what? Come on, really? you going to make me shoot him? And then he goes and he hits the first one. Crowd goes nuts. And he hits the second one, and the crowd goes nuts. And afterwards he blows a kiss, Dwight Howard, to Scott Brooks. I think good natured. I don't think there's anything really bitter about this. I don't think Brooks cared at all. Uh, but then after they went to a timeout, there was a clip of Dwight Howard doing the big balls dance. Like, look at the balls on me! And his teammates were high five and They were loving it and everything. And I'm thinking, so that's where we are in the NBA. that uh, Dwight Howard was once considered one of the top ten players in the league. This rare, unique animal on the landscape. This Adonis cut Big man, athletic is all. Get out now. It's down to hey man, I hit two free throws. Look at the look at the balls on me. The irony is, he might get fined actually for doing the big ball gesture. Elsewhere in the NBA, I mentioned yesterday with Jay, I said you know Jalen Rose has really surprised me. I as a commentator, as a podcast host on TV, I'm liking Jalen Rose more and more. And believe me, my impression and my thoughts on Jalen Rose. Uh, before I had kind of listened to him a lot, was not very high. I was not very positive on Jalen Rose. Of course, I brought some preconceived baggage into that about his past troubles with the law and DUI and part of that Michigan crew. And so, you know, I I came in with a bit of a uh, biased attitude. But the more I've listened, I'm like, he's good. Well, here was last night, and this is another example, I think. This is an example of how Jalen Rose can see the big picture on sports and can do things, can say things to people and on air that work, that don't come off the wrong way. Because last night, Jalen Rose pretty much told Paul Pierce he's got to stop acting like a 12-year-old girl when it comes to her birthday party with this stupid thing regarding the video tribute for Isaiah Thomas in Boston and his day, at which time they're going to raise his jersey to the rafters. Here was Jalen Rose, right to the face of Paul Pierce, who was on set with Michelle Beadle last night.
2: Next. Gosh. I got to say a word for you, fam. I thought it was petty. Ooh. On who? <laughs> on Paul Pierce's part. In what part? I love what, what Paul. Is? This is I my part Because to me, there are going to be all type of announcements that happen the 48 right. minutes during that game. Okay. All types. Okay. Including celebrating Isaiah Thomas could be one of them. What d- does not take away from your situation, like Kobe's, that happened during the game, because they're doing yours um, post-game. Right. But throughout the game, you're going to have different memories from Absolutely. the time I spent there. So now you take another two days from the memories. No, hey, right. You just said that, Jay. And, and put that. And, and, and this is the thing. Like, dude, they go trivia videos yeah, all night I mean, for can him. I tell you something about your birthday. It ain't only your birthday. A lot of people's <laughs> birthday happen that time. Yeah, like, but I'm not. I, sure. I, you know what? And look, a lot of I'm people a, don't come through and have historic, you know, uh, seasons and, and, look, and careers like him either. You just said guys come in, they do things off the court, the community, recruit other players, then retire, then do this for everybody. Because it's they're, not the stars that do it. Right. Everybody comes in there and, and has their piece in the community, does their thing, what they're supposed to do for the team. I mean, then you're saying, oh, Joe Green played for the Celtics, had things going on in the community. A, a lot of guys, let's just go ahead and do something for them. But listen, he wasn't it, a three-time it, for, All-Star to a number one seed. For me, the issue is not the tribute And they video. made it to the conference finals. It's not the tribute video. Uh, yes. Show the video, but don't turn it down because your family is. Not I, got going a, to I got a question for both that of you. Guys. I got a question for both of you, great players. Chris Paul had gotten a tribute from the Clippers. Yes, without a doubt, they didn't make it to the conference finals. The it's not the about thing. the yes. conference finals. If, he spent. Five, he He took a franchise <laughs> that didn't have. Sorry, well, yeah. that didn't have no history, and he made them relevant again.
1: Now that's good, right there. That was really good. And you could tell looking at Paul Pierce's face, even though he was smiling, and I think he was not like super mad about it, you could kind of tell in his face. He was like, damn it, why are you doing this to me right now? Like, now you're making me look bad. But again, that's, I, I love the line by Jalen Rose saying, come on, man. Every day is someone's birthday. That's a great point. Some people are really big on the this is my day kind of thing, whether it's their birthday. I don't know if you've had friends that get upset if you maybe miss calling them on their birthday. Friends who perhaps don't live in the same city or just whatever. Nowadays with Facebook, which seemingly everyone's on except for me, you know whose birthday it is. And you get flooded with fake birthday messages from people who are only saying, hey, happy birthday, man, because they saw it where? On Facebook. But the whole this is my day thing, everyone's different on it. I tend to think women are a bit worse than guys about this. I don't want to generalize, but I think so. And not all women. Some women don't care. And it's just something like, you know, it's whatever, however you feel about your special day, whether it's your birthday or your jersey-raising day, you're like, I don't want anyone taken away from this. This It's all about me. Me, 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 me. I want my day. And I guess Paul Pierce is of that mindset like, no, no, no tribute to him on my day. It's all about me putting it into the rafters oh on my birthday too personally i don't even care if we celebrate on my birthday uh, and i'm the same way with other birthdays if we celebrate someone's birthday in the family on a day that's close enough or any day within six months of when they want to say okay here's my birthday I, I, you know we want to wait till school gets out so we can go here and let's call uh july 6th my birthday fine done that's your birthday We'll have a little cake on your birthday. But your actual birthday thing, whether it's a trip or an activity or a party, pick a day. Who cares? Call it your birthday. I'm fine with that. Okay, real quick before we get to Andy. Ashley Banfield, feminist on feminist crime. Update! The writer for the story on Babe.net of Grace, who had her bad date with comedian Aziz Ansari. Well, the bad date was what Ms. Banfield called it, uh, the writer and the purported victim of this sort of quasi maybe sexual assault, um, says otherwise. If you didn't read the story, didn't know about this, basically both the comedian and this young woman were uh naked in her apartment or his apartment. He kept trying to, you know, round the bases to, you know, goigle her, her flavin and she kept moving the goalposts and saying uh, whatever. She, but she never flat out said no. She never got up and left. She never said, this is too soon for a first date. Um, and it, you know, blew up into this thing where the writer for this website nobody had heard of told the story and Aziz Ansari, I guess, had his show taken away from him and who knows what's going to happen to his career. Okay, you're up to speed now. Well, um, apparently, Headline News, which is where Ashley Banfield is, extended an invite to the writer uh is Kate Way, I believe is her name. Way. She's 23 years old. Nothing wrong with that, but young. They said, would you like to come on and talk about this? Well, (laughs) she sent an email to the network saying the following, quote, it's an unequivocal no from me. The way your colleague Ashley, question mark, someone I'm certain no one under the age of 45 has ever heard of, by the way, Ripped into my source directly was one of the lowest, most despicable things I've ever seen in my entire life. She goes on to say that she disgusts me. And I hope when she has more distance from the moment, she's got enough of a conscience to feel remotely ashamed. I doubt it, but still. And then she closed with this, the 23-year-old writer. And I will laugh the day you fold. If you could let Ashley know I said this and that she is a no-holds-barred the reason that I didn't come on, it will be a real treat for me. Actually, uh, maybe uh, that uh, if you could let, I will laugh the day you fold, and if you could let Ashley know I said this, and that she is no-holds-barred the reason, it'd be a real treat for me. Ooh, sick burn. Well, Ashley Banfield then went on TV and read and, and talked about her rebuttal to this 23-year-old. Here's the sound bite, go.
0: Um, the uh, reporter who wielded those very powerful words sent some choice words my way as I'm well. I'm curious about that. What did she say? So, and, and I wanna share this um, because I think this gives us an insight into the caliber of the person who held that nuclear weapon uh, that was wielded on Ansari's career. The caliber of this 22-year-old young woman. And I'm only gonna read a slight part of her comments to me and i assume she fashions herself a feminist in this movement. Uh Ashley, someone who i'm certain no one under the age of 45 has ever heard of, i hope the 500 retweets on the single news write-up made that burgundy lipstick, bad highlights, second wave feminist has been really relevant for a little while. That's from Katie Way who was on CBS this morning uh yesterday morning. And i think the reason i want to share that is because mm. If you truly believe in the Me Too movement, if you truly believe in women's rights, if you truly believe in feminism, the last thing you should do is attack someone in an ad hominem way. For her age, I'm 50. And for my highlights, I was brown haired for a while when I was a war correspondent interviewing Yasser Arafat and in Afghanistan and Iraq, Gaza and the West Bank. Google those places that is not the way we have this conversation as women or men we don't attack as journalists let's be frank right. we do not attack people for their age or their highlights or their lipstick because it is the most hypocritical thing mm. a woman who says she supports the woman's movement could ever do and that's the caliber of the woman who was given all of this power and was able to wield this power. The reason I sort of go on this diatribe is because I want to make sure that we are all clear. Caveat Emptor applies. When you read what's on the interwebs, Caveat Emptor applies.
1: So there you go on that. I guess it's over now. I guess, is there anything left to be squeezed out of this, for the most part, nothing burger of a story? It's not a nothing burger for NZ's Asari. It's a earthquake type event in his career but in the big scheme of things all of this stuff all of these controversies just float down the river and they're here today and gone tomorrow and maybe i've given that too much time but i do kind of like watching the back and forth i do like i'll be honest i got a soft spot for feminist on feminist crime it's fun to watch them go after each other so if i could right now on a podcast show you a popcorn eating emoji no, not emoji. A popcorn eating gif. Oh, I totally would. My favorite gif. I love it. Just, oh, give me the popcorn. I'm, I'll get your pop. I'm just got my popcorn. I'm watching this. I'm sitting here and I am enjoying the heck out of this. In fact, somebody sent me a gif which had a giraffe eating, and giraffes make that funny eating motion with their funny mouths. And they photoshopped a bucket of popcorn in front of. Uh, the giraffe, and I think the bold letters on it were, "Mm mm-hmm, go on. (laughs) It's popcorn, just go, giraffe. (laughs) Okay, having said all that, Andy Pollan and I sat in my car awkwardly for 35 minutes and talked NFL playoffs. How far away are the Redskins TV ratings and whether the movie I, made us feel any more sympathetic for the disgraced ex-figure skater? Here it was. (laughs) Well, why don't we uh, why don't we start with the uh, NFL weekend? I know yes. you're a big lover of professional tackle football, and holy shit, you know even if a weekend is kind of down at the end of the you know the NFL always has that ability to go,
3: bam! Mm-hmm. How'd you like that? How about that, Mister Fung? Oh man! <laughs> and, and what what a cap off now. What comes out of the weekend for every sports talk show host is this. Has the narrative changed? Do you no longer need that franchise quarterback oh
1: to be successful? Oh, my God. No, no. Are you as sick of this as I am? Are you as utterly frustrated that anyone with a brain would say such a thing?
3: Well, here's here's what you have to recognize. That the final four matchups last year were Brady. Ding. Roethlisberger. Ding. Rodgers, and the reigning MVP, Matt Ryan. Ding, Yeah, four aces. So you've got to assume that if Rodgers was healthy now, there's a pretty, or throughout the year, there was a pretty good chance that Green Bay would be in the Final Four, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be a lot different, that's for sure. And the number one seed being the Philadelphia Eagles have Carson Wentz, who has elbowed his way into,
1: into the, the conversation yes, of elite guys.
3: Exactly, so you'd have two of those. And then on the other side, uh, you know, okay, maybe maybe you would have uh, you'd have this surprise team from the AFC that uh, Pittsburgh didn't do it this year because of they were guilty of looking ahead or whatever. And Blake Bortles is your wild card guy. So you'd have instead of last year we had all chalk, you'd have one wild card quarterback in Blake Bortles in the final four.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I liken it to the thinking of like one day I went out of my house. Only wearing flip-flops because that's all I had. And I found a hundred dollar bill on the ground. Therefore, I'm gonna wear flip-flops every day. Yeah. Cause this is the new truth. Mm-hmm. Something good happened once to me that was weird, but I'm going to now believe it as the mantra on how to live my life.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's true. Now, you know, Case Keenum, could he become a really good quarterback? Yeah, but I would bet against it. You also had Mike Zimmer saying Uh, Yeah, we uh, may have to make a change because uh, this this was before the game that he was talking to uh, Aikman and, and Buck before the game. And the quarterback, Sam Bradford, was the backup in that game. Right. And he said, if if we run into trouble, we need somebody who can throw the ball, and I may have to go to Bradford. Oh, so, so he was already hedging going into the game. So it could have
1: been like a Nick Saban situation yeah. where you'd go to the backup.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well,
1: there's some people now saying, and this would sound like a dumb take, but you got to think about it and just stop for a second, that why is Keenum playing when Bradford now is finally fully healthy? Shouldn't you play your best quarterback? Now, obviously, you go with who brung you, yeah. and you never want to change it up, because if Bradford sucks in Philadelphia and they lose, you'll never live that down. Right, right. But he may be objectively Bradford the better quarterback than Keenum. Keenum, who looked very overwhelmed, especially when he got pressured.
3: Yeah, now, look, Keenum threw a stupid, stupid pick in there. That changed the momentum of the game right yeah. there. Yeah did he make a miraculous throw at the end? Yes, he did. Did? It was
1: more of a dumb play though. Yeah, exactly. It was a goat play.
3: Did, did, did the Saints stupidly line up a defense which was designed to get them beat? Yes. I mean, <laughs> all they had to do was to push him inbound. Somebody would have caught him, but yeah. they opened up that sideline and that was the end of the game there.
1: Did you hear all the different calls of that play and did you hear the Vikings color guy yeah. step on? Yeah. The uh Paul Allen the play-by-play guy. I had Buck on the podcast here. He was irate that that would happen. He's like, he just couldn't believe it that Bursich, who's the color guy for the Vikings, was screaming like a banshee on that play and it said, Buck, but it's yeah. football radio play-by-play. Play. Those guys are supposed to be homers. Well,
3: and look, Buck has benefited from working with Phil Chenier for most of his career. Chenier is not a screamer. No. So he's had that luck, and now he's got Carol Lawson, same thing. She doesn't really uh go crazy over yeah, you better like not
1: anything. call her a screamer they'll make headlines no you sexist it didn't pig andy poland lawson's a screamer, I just, Polen, uh, lawson's no, a screamer. I
3: just said that they were as <laughs> as analysts go they're rather low-key sure you think? sure yeah
1: well and how many huge wizards moments have we really had
3: dagger see buck is usually the one that does that
1: yeah and he had the no not possible which we, was great but yeah, yeah the, the the radio calls Every year, Andy, whenever the Redskins are not in the playoffs, which is most years, (laughs) I look at the playoffs through Redskin eyes. And my Redskin eyes are always very envious. They are very distraught thinking how far away Mm -hmm. we really are. And I'm always looking with Redskin eyes through the playoffs going, I wish we had one of those. I wish we had one of those. How come we can't do that? How do you, as a Redskin fan, view the
3: playoffs? With uh, resignation, uh, you know the, this team, when it has been a playoff team since the Super Bowl, has never been a Super Bowl contender. I mean, remember when when Joe Gibbs resigned the second time after the '07 season? Yes. And they had miraculously won their last four to get in and they were completely That was the
1: Sean Taylor tragedy year. Yeah,
3: and they were completely overwhelmed and seen. And that was with
1: Todd Collins, by the way, taking over for yeah, Campbell.
3: Yeah, and so so at Gibbs at his closing news conference was asked about, you know, when did you decide that you were gonna leave? And he said, Oh, I thought we were gonna go all the way. No, you weren't. No, no, you're you're not you're not capable of they have not had a roster that's capable of winning it all, probably since they won it all. Right? I mean, have you ever looked at a year? Never that, have
1: felt, we're so loaded, look at all these guys, how are we going to get all these guys on the field? We've right. got so much talent.
3: Now, if Philadelphia doesn't make the Super Bowl, it's an easy out. Oh, Wentz got hurt. If If Minnesota doesn't make the Super Bowl, you could say, well, you know, they really probably weren't going to get there anyway with the mm-hmm. quarterback that they had. The Redskins, has there ever been in the last 25 years or 26 years now, a season when there's been a key injury that if that player had stayed healthy, they would have been a Super Bowl contender? Not that I can recall. I can't either.
1: And and you're right, there is this desperation that I, I look at this going, we're farther than we think we are. And as a fan base, and I'm guilty in the media of thinking we're better than we are, that we have better players than we do and that we have the cunning and the guile and the focus and the determination to win stakes games. Stakes games, Andy, in January. Win or go home games. And I just feel like, God. So I just wonder if now we're not in a spot the Redskins are where they've got to tear it all down to the
3: studs again. Well, it'll. Like, le- what, what is this team without Kirk? Well, that's the question. And if. if Assuming they, Kirk's leaving. And if they replace him, what are they going to replace him with? Are they going to move up in the draft? Okay, Josh before, Rosen?
1: before we even talk about replacement, I'm just asking, what's the team without Kirk? It's, like, how good is the team?
3: It's. Meh uh, minus, right? It's. it's They're it's, not
1: it, that good. It, Who do we have that anyone would drool over?
3: Kerrigan? Maybe no
1: Josh Norman? No. No. Okay. Like so in other words, we have very few guys that are drool worthy players.
3: Yeah. If if you had right. if you had a wide open free agency pool, who would be the guys that there'd be a big run on? Maybe Norman, because they're so scarce, those type of corners. Uh I don't know, about but this. like
1: Antonio Brown is a drool worthy player.
3: Player. Well, he may be the best receiver in the NFL.
1: Okay, but then they've got a
3: drool-worthy running back in Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Every they, team, they don't have every... running backs here. They they, they got That's out of the running back market when when Shanahan came in. They, had, they still had Portis, who they thought <laughs> could still play. And once Portis left, they said, eh, eh, he looks okay. He looks like a running back. We'll make him into a running back.
1: Do you remember the last running back drafted in the second round or higher by the Redskins?
3: Whew, man. I'm trying to think. They, ne- I don't think they really did. They got George Rogers in a trade, I believe. This was uh, post
1: 2000. Kid out of Iowa.
3: War number 46. Before- Bets? Second round? Bets was a second round. That high. And that was that Marty, is- right? Yeah, that is the, I think it was Marty. Yeah, it's probably Marty, because Marty Marty understood you had to have a running game to go with the defense.
1: That's the last time we spent a pick as precious as at least a second rounder on a running
3: back. Yeah, well, that's because they... I'm ready
1: to spend one on a running back in the first round this year, but they say that there may not be any first round talents. Well, the kid from Penn State... I, mean, I would love to have him at 15. Yeah,
3: but I don't think they're going to do that. I don't
1: I still I, think running backs matter in this yeah, league. I do I too. want a good one. Yeah. I want a great
3: one, as a matter of fact. Yeah, but... The, I want the, a Fournette. I want a Bell. Yeah, well, they can probably have Alfred Morris back. Oh, Jesus.
1: (laughs) No, that's not what I want. (laughs) Did you see, uh, I think we should complete this chart a little bit, but Jean-Jacques Taylor Mm -hmm. uh, for 103.3 in Dallas. Yeah did a chart of every team in the NFC since 96. Mm-hmm. He was using 96 as a cutoff point because that was when the Cowboys fell off the cliff, right? right? right, right. 95, they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Then 96, it all ended, party was over. Well,
3: they lost, I
1: think they I think they lost to Carolina in the- uh, That's right, that was the uh, Lamar Latham. You, yeah. know, you know where Carolina is now? That was Barry Switzer running his yeah, mouth that year. Right, right. Okay, so he chose 96, which is arbitrary, but that's the cutoff right. point. And if you look at every category, I don't know how your old man eyes are, yeah. Andy, But if you look at every category that he counts there, 10 win seasons, Mm. division championships, playoff appearances, conference Mm. championship game appearances, the Redskins are either last or tied for second to last in the NFC in every category. And I'm not including number of quarterbacks. You're like, we should do a a line with starting quarterbacks,
3: head coaches, and other indicators, right? There was a time in this league... Where you, to be considered a Super Bowl contender, had to think about 12 and 4. You go 8-0 at home and split your road games, and then you have a chance. Because then you get the first round bye, and then more than likely you're going to get two home playoff games. Right. Nowadays, yeah, there have been all these pop-up teams. The Giants have won a couple times as a wild card. Pittsburgh has won as a wild card. So it's not what it was. But in order to give yourself an opportunity, it would seem... Is that you have to put together those kind of regular seasons, and they haven't done it because of the way they've assembled the team. Is 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 it is it <laughs> it's not shocking to you that Scott Campbell is still running the scouting department? Scott Campbell may be the greatest scout in the world, but he's. But been... why haven't we changed him out at this point well, with somebody else? Yeah, because whatever he's doing, or either they're not listening to him, or he's not telling him to pick the right guys. But he's been here since. What? He's been here since uh, he's, covered sever,
1: he's covered several administrations, Spurrier. that's for sure. I think
3: he goes back spurier Spurrier and maybe even past that.
1: But if he's good, though, I'm all about keeping good guys no matter what. But what has he done? What's he produced? Uh, <laughs> ah, yeah, that's, uh, that's a very good point. I'm kind of surprised we haven't fired any coaches, although I guess we can't because we just
3: fired coaches last cycle. Right. Well, and brought in a new D.C. and a new O.C. And also, if, if you look at, at Snyder, the way that he's fired coaches... In most cases, he hasn't really had to pay off a big deal. Now, by extending Gruden three more years after, or now he's got three years left, that's a pretty hefty buyout. Zorn was fired with one year to go, a contract he negotiated by himself, by the way, after he put on a suit <laughs> over <laughs> Snyder's house. <laughs> uh, so they paid him off $3 million, which which was nothing. The Marty Schottenheimer deal was four years... $10 million dollars. He had seven and a half million dollars left. He got most of that by going to San Diego. So there hasn't been like a firing where it's really hurt him in financially, yeah, and so that's why. Can
1: anything hurt a billionaire in the pocketbook? No, but there's things that they don't do. They don't, they don't be, like. They don't like losing. Yeah, on d- the scoreboard of money, like we had to pay them out. Yeah, all this money.
3: dead money. They don't. They'll do it on players like Haynesworth, but they won't do it on coaches. Okay. So I, I, I think, and I also think they, they look at this team and they go, you know, We're Jay's close. and Jay's compliant. All the Michigans that has gone on here over the years, they have watched Jay swallow it and move on. The first time. It really popped up was when Colt McCoy had that great game on Monday night against Dallas. Remember that? Oh yeah. And the team was humming. Cowboys had been playing well to that point. The next week they're playing at Minnesota. Guess who's named the starting quarterback? R. G. Three. And was Schefter with his usual Sunday morning release? This was a decision not made by the head coach. Yeah. And so once that was there and once he was compliant on those kind of things, that's why I think they like keeping it They're around. like, hey, yeah, we like this guy. He, does, he doesn't kick up a fuss. And, <laughs> and he, I don't
1: think he really raises his voice on draft day in the war room either. No. I think Jay is not going to get into a fight over we've got to take this guy. I know what I'm talking about. He'll go along with whatever yeah. they want to do in terms of taking players.
3: Well, I mean, theoretically, the draft board has been put together the last three years by Scott McLuhan. Even though they threw McLuhan out, Mm -hmm. he left all his notes behind. And they go, okay, let's go through. Oh, yeah, right here. Okay, we'll do this this this. So now this is back to the Bruce Allen draft. Now you could say, hey, look what Bruce Allen did in 2012. He got them some players, right? He got, he got a, a right tackle, he got a wide receiver. He Brute, got... Yeah, I mean,
1: the Bruce regime, in terms of the draft, has been better yeah. than it has been in the past, but the
3: bar was so low I understand. because we had no draft picks. I understand, but so. what, what I'm saying is, now we're going to see how they're going to do that. Do you believe that Doug Williams has picked all these players? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think Doug
1: he... is a is a wizened voice in that room, but I do not think he is the end all. He, uh, he is Tampa
3: sized. He is he is <laughs> Tampa sized. He, he came part in, of the Tampa mafia. Yeah, with it, Bruce. If you worked, if you wore Tampa J, and uh, yeah, if you wore orange cream colored
1: shirts, you have a job here. Oh my God! Okay, uh, what do you think? I was stunned that the ratings for the last weekend of NFL games were down. Across the board, even the Thriller in Minnesota was down a tenth of a point. What did you think of it being down? And do you have a theory? Because I have rejected as nothing more than maybe a 2% drag the protest angle as a reason for the ratings. I said, I'll give it
3: 2%, but that's about it. There's some of that. And I think also, if you keep hearing that the product is shrinking... You're maybe thinking, okay... Uh, Self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah, and, and also... The more people talk about things? And, and also maybe there's there's some peer pressure at work that if you know everybody else has watched the game, you better watch the game, but if Interesting. You know, other people aren't watching... You, I don't know, I mean, but... Maybe I'll get people talking about how big my
1: dick is, and then that'll start <laughs> trending. Like, God, did you hear? It's massive. Well, it would, <laughs> wouldn't have any
3: interest for me, but if that's what makes you happy, <laughs> that gives <kind of> sense.
1: <laughs> I'm starting to think that there is something more serious going on because the college ratings were up ten yeah. percent and twelve percent respectively for the final four in the championship game. Right. And everyone said it was gonna be a deep south, deep fried disaster with Georgia and Alabama, they were dead wrong on a close game that finished in an exciting fashion. Right. A close game finishing like that game in Minnesota with Drew Brees, who's a household name should have done a hell of a number. Yeah,
3: the Rose Bowl was spectacular. That, so the, you had that, and that, okay. that drifted into 9 o'clock. I don't know who the hell stayed up to watch a 24-6 to six game that started after 9, but I guess there were.
1: But and there then, are no incidences of the NFL even doing a brief U-turn in the ratings upwards. There's no incident of it, Andy, over the still, last two years.
3: Still, still, forty-eight million people watch the game.
1: Forty-eight million people. I know And Have you read? Have you heard about the new bidding for the Thursday night package? Yeah, it's going to be ABC again. Yeah, they're getting, <laughs> getting. So, it's like <laughs> it's like having three girlfriends and yeah. kicking one of them out of the house periodically. <laughs> yeah, and they get cold and they're like, "God, I like it back in that mansion." And then you kick yeah. one of the other one. Well, out.
3: They, they've always had that. They've always had right. the outside. For a while, it was CBS. CBS had a walkaway number, and they go, "Okay." See you later, you'll be back. Yeah. And they came back. Okay, but the fact
1: that they're king doesn't mean they should ignore the fact that they're heading in the wrong direction right now.
3: They're heading in the wrong direction, but still it, it did I read this that the Super Bowl ads are are averaging five million dollars per thirty second spot and they just kept ten spots in reserve for late bidding at the end, which I guess people will, will bid over that. And is that a new record? Uh, I don't know, but I I would imagine But it's up there, yeah. Yeah. See, because what what it is is live sports, people are more likely to watch the commercials. And in the Super Bowl, watching the commercials is part of the game experience now. So that's that's another factor that's that's all in this. So I you know I, I think that while the ratings may be down, the revenue is either the same or it's going up. And if you're projecting well you know, when the contracts come up in 2020, they won't get the kind of money they were expecting. Just to your point, if you've got that stalking horse network, you can you can leverage it any way you want and get the yeah. money you want. I think
1: they've got to do something about
3: the pacing yes. of their
1: product. Yes. That the replays have completely botched the taste of the NFL brand. I, like, amen. That... that I don't, you know, I'm anti-replay, know. you know that, and I've yelled that from the mountaintop. I'm never gonna win that fight, but still. Whatever you do with replay, you've gotta fix the pacing. Yes. Because in today's tempo society, mm-hmm. that's what I call it, a tempo society, if you get, if I go into Kudoba here after we're done, which I will, because mm-hmm. they got delicious food, and they know me there, and they'll get me the rice without the cilantro in it from the back end. I've watched them do that. Yeah, which is a you pain have, in the ass for them. I know. Slows the line down. Do I, you know how many fucks I give? Zero. You're a regular. Zero. A regular friend. customer. Because they shouldn't be putting cilantro in there in the first place.
3: The, that should be an add-on. The late, great Rob 80s used to order takeout from the Palm. You know how many customers were able take to take out from, from the Palm? One. Rob 80s. <laughs> great customer. They give him takeout.
1: Right. No, but so we're in a tempo society, so... When I go in there and do that, yeah. I guarantee you the people behind me are instantly annoyed and a little bit on edge because the tempo of the line of, OK, mm-hmm. I want a burrito, I want a flout, I want a taco, boom-ba-doom-ba-doom-ba-doom down the line right. is interrupted just for a moment. It only takes a minute for them to get that rice from back there, but it pisses people off. And that's what's happening now to people watching football games. They're pissed off at the interruptions and the tempo of the game, even if the overall time of game is only a minute and a half longer. Right. It's the
3: pacing. It's got to work like the blue tent. Have you seen the blue tent? The blue tent of miracles, the injury tent on the sideline. Yeah, and then it it goes up like a convertible top. Yes. Boom, they check him out. He's back on the field. That's how replays got to work. They go in there, boom. (laughs) That is funny.
1: Andy makes a great point. They spend more time (laughs) looking at a five-yard catch than they
3: do somebody's brain who might have been concussed. Yeah, not only that, the guy wobbles off the field like he's been shot, and he's (laughs) in and out of the blue (laughs) tent in 30 seconds, and there's no problem. Meantime... What looks like a catch, they look at it long enough to go, oh, no, I know, saw, I saw that spinning of the lace just a quarter of a degree. Oh, God. And, and it can't be a catch.
1: Exactly. So,
3: yeah, that's, that's how they have to look at it, just like they do concussions. Yep, looks good to me. I held up four fingers, he said three. That's good enough. Back yeah. in the game. Did
1: you see Sean Payton getting burned by doing the skull chant right before that game-winning play? And what do you make of the fact that Sean Payton is like a heel coach? willing to get out there and to you know ham it up sort of like
3: the heel coaches of yesteryear right well this is a little known fact that when they had the scab games in 1987 he was a scab he was the stab quarterback you know for which team redskins no chicago bears remember who the coach of the bears was in 1987 Dick coach Ditka. Ditka. wouldn't you consider him a heel coach yes so maybe he learned at his feet could that be? That could be the case. Yeah. yeah. What do you do? You, do you
1: like it as a sports fan, or do you think it's bullshit that he should calm that act down?
3: Well, you know, I mean, I I think he he has earned that by being around as long as he has, and most coaches are afraid to do anything. I mean, Joe Gibbs w- was afraid to say boo about the other team. Oh, absolutely. I've, I find yeah. it kind of refreshing.
1: I like. It. I I do kind of like it as well because yeah. the coaches used to be far more colorful in this
3: league. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah,
1: know? yeah. Even the ones that weren't very competent, like Glanville, you know, they they loved being yeah. part of the story. They had no qualms about. Well, it. Well, yeah, Glanville was a clown though. I'm, he was a clown. No, you got to talk. Made an NFC Championship game though against us, right? No, the, no, the, the wasn't. Steve C- C- Cushing him his first round game. First right? round, yeah. Okay. yeah. Too legit to quit. Too legit to quit. Don't tell me that wasn't on your record player. That wasn't nah. in your. That wasn't in your Sony
3: Watchman. Your cassette. Um, you know, when I, I was working in Dallas, uh, I used to flop around the stations when I was driving into work down the uh, Stemmons Freeway, and uh, I used to hear that song quite a bit. So that's what early '80s, '81, '82. That's when uh-huh. was, that's when I was in Dallas. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, did you see where Tom Boswell's being inducted to the Sports Media something something yeah, Hall of Fame? Yeah. You know, what is that?
3: I don't know. I, I don't really know. But um, Does he not deserve it? No, I think he does. But Bos I, is I, great, right? But what is it? Do, do you ever say, hey, let's round up the family and go to the National Sportscasters and Sportswriters and Museum? I'm no. sure it's, it's a nice honor, and okay. he deserves it. But I'm not really familiar with the organization, and, you know, it's not, it's not, to me, it's not an institution. It's not like if you go in the writer's wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's. Is
1: that, okay, so for those of us in our profession, what is the highest honor?
3: I guess a Marconi. Paying off your mortgage, right? Yeah, that too. But a, a Marconi. I think Frances has won one. A
1: Marconi in radio.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's like how a, do how do you get a Marconi? That's like a lifetime achievement. Yeah. You do, get, do you apply for that? Do you send uh, in a know. cassette tape? Maybe. Uh, uh, you know, it's never been really on my radar. <laughs> to be honest with you. What
1: if it was really easy to get one? Just nobody <laughs> filled out the paperwork. That could be. We yeah. <laughs> I mean, were like, oh shit, I could have had yeah, one. Yeah. Well, uh, it just was a four-page application that I didn't want to bother to fill it out.
3: We used to have uh, radio awards in this town, the Air Awards, and a lot of it was yes. it was what you applied for and what you submitted and, and you
1: had to pay like a nominal fee like yeah. a couple hundred bucks for them to run the awards yeah. and it was probably a big grifter scam by those oh, yeah. people
3: well one year they, they, these I think Bennett had this station That was 980 it was RWRC and these women did this show called The Working Girls and it was on late at night and they used to talk about I don't know what because I never listened to it and, uh, and they won like best show and I was there with Tony Kornheiser <laughs> we were nominated for his show and he goes we lost the hookers. How about that? <laughs> we lost the <to> hookers. <laughs> so, so you know, to me, unless you're talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or you're talking about baseball, or even basketball, which is which is kind of odd too, because it's everything. Basketball, you can get in as a high school coach and get in as NBA coach. There's players who don't play in the NBA who get in. You know, that's that's sort of a hodgepodge. Right, but. To me, those are the, those are the big ones. National yeah. sportscaster, sports writer. I mean, he he's great. He's he's one of the greatest who's ever done it. But I don't exactly know he what probably the, has
1: higher awards. Oh
3: yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm sure if he's not in, he will get in.
1: Andy Poland is in the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Here Greater in Washington, Washington, Greater Washington, D.C. Jewish
3: Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Okay, yeah. and we'll, is that your only Hall of Fame? That probably will be it for me.
1: Well, I mean, you could be in some others. It's what about your high school hall of fame? I don't know if they have one. I'm in zero. You should be in the Langley. I should be. You're damn right. I should. Yeah. I J-S-C-C. guess I'm not. I guess I'm not lobbying hard enough. Speaking of hall of fame, this is probably Jacoby's last best
3: chance. Well, no. Be- Do you have a good feeling about this or no? Well, I, I, one of the things they've been doing recently, which makes no sense to me, but they've been doing it sort of by position. So you look at the the line that he's up against. One of them is Tony Baselli. Tony Baselli was healthy. Six years, for, I think. He was in the league seven. Was healthy for maybe five. Yeah. Um, you know, Jake. But that's because they put Terrell Davis in, right? Who was also in for a short time. Well, you know what I found out about this? What has happened is, if you are with the NFL Network, you get a big push on that. No kidding. And, and so, if
1: you're at all visible, which Jake is not, yeah. Cause he's living his life running a car dealership yeah but you know this is what's bullshit about it i really hope he gets in but i fear that this is his
3: last best chance well but here's another thing that's, that's happened recently Dave Elfin was the one who was supposed to make the case for him, and Elfin which, pissed off the writers, which he unsuccessfully, yeah, he
0: did. But he, now it's
1: our Larry Michael, and people decried that as some sort of violation because he
3: works for the team. Yeah. But in a way, it may be helpful, more helpful to get our guys right. in, right? I think so. And and what has happened? I don't know. I don't know what Bruce Allen's role in this is, but Allen played a role, I think, in getting Chris Hamburger in, and there may have been somebody else he gave the push to, so that helped. The crazy one was Art Monk, who were going, "What's going on here?" Lord, I are gonna wait forever. And then, and then, all it took was Joe Gibbs calling Peter King, and then boom, <laughs> it was done. It was like Peter King was was spouting this narrative, and I was covering those giant teams too. He was he was with Newsday, and the were, narrative
1: was they didn't game plan for Monk; they game plan for Clark. Right but didn't. nobody ever pushed clark for the hall of fame
3: and his numbers were equal to michael irvin's in all but one category touchdowns yeah yeah but but he's he was always because of monk he was always considered a two yeah well and then that
1: piss at adam shafter adam shafter who was working at the denver post at the time yeah. his narrative was what's the signature catch yeah. for art monk? Yeah. a signature catch it was it was
3: like yeah. shut up yeah, will yeah, you yeah that's that's not no i mean how would
1: you change the hall of fame in the nfl because I would think you would agree with me that it's not right the way they do it now.
3: Right, um, and and part of the problem now is that there, there used to be just writers. Now it's not even writers anymore. Some
1: broadcasters, and, yeah. some play-by-play
3: guys. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's it would be a bad idea to make it more like baseball, and you'd have actual Hall of Famers vote. I don't think that would be such a terrible idea. Uh, some of
1: these old dudes who
3: barely watch football well, nowadays. But but it, but the Baseball Hall of Fame, I think it's like 400 and some voters. Okay, if you get enough votes, I yeah. guess you
1: even out. Right. How about the fact that there's so few people that can really evaluate line play and the quality of a Joe Jacoby versus a Tony?
3: Buscelli? Yeah, but th- this one seems so easy because you had the first known line that these guys were known as the Hogs. Can you think of another? offensive line in history. That had a nickname? You can't, right? And so... You, you've put in... Well, you had the Steel
1: Curtain defensive, defensive line. Defensive line. You had the Killer bees in Miami. That's a secondary. Purple
3: People Eaters. Defensive line. Okay, Doomsday Defense. Defensive the line. The Orange Crush. For, uh, Orange Crush was an entire defense. Okay. Fearsome Foursome is the most famous front four. They, okay. were, they were the Rams. So this was the first known offensive line. Had the Passive-Aggressive Five, which
1: was Norv Turner's <laughs> third year here in D.C. <laughs> right. They were not very good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and the Warwick-Holdman folding chair. <laughs> <laughs> Secondary. But but uh, you know here you have, you have Russ Grimm who's in and Russ Grimm should have gotten in. Yes. And the only other one on the line that you would consider would be Jacoby. And both of them made four Pro Bowls. Both of them were, and Riggins used to talk about this, Highway 66, Highway 68. Mm-hmm. They were the left side of the line where they ran most of the time. Riggins was the Super Bowl MVP and he gives a lot of the credit. There weren't many running backs, I think in the history of the game, there's maybe five or six running backs that have won the MVP Mm -hmm. who who gets the credit, the offensive line for opening the holes. To me, this should have been a no-brainer. This should have happened years ago.
1: I just think there should be accountability. I think the writers that are on that panel owe it to those who are up for enshrinement to write out their reasoning as to who's in and who is not or to put cameras from the NFL Network in the deliberation room Mm -hmm. so that people can watch. Yeah, That, to me, is the least that should happen. And there ought to be term limits on this because so many of these writers hang on forever yeah. to that spot in that room yeah. to adjudicate yeah. who's going to be all of them.
3: And you also have policies by different papers, like the Washington Post used to let Len Shapiro do it. They don't let their And then their they guys said they don't want to be part of the news. Yeah. And then you've got personal agendas
1: where these writers are little butthurt bitches, and they're like, well, T.L. was mean to me once, so I'm going to keep
3: that. Well, him that's, that's another thing. That's another thing. It, you're not supposed to consider off the field. This came up when Lawrence Taylor got in. Right. That they, you know, and he had to wait,
1: didn't he? No, he went right no, away. He went right in because who waited one year on that?
3: Um, let's see, Chris, uh, Carter, Chris Carter waited. Carter waited years, yeah, yeah, but but the the point is, like T O, yes, he was he was distracting in the team, but by God, he got out of the hospital and played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg and had twelve catches.
1: I know, you know. Oh I no, mean, to me is a Hall of Famer right away. Yeah. I think there's too many wide receivers in anyway right yeah, now, but because we get caught up in this whole. Is it a game of football or a game of who scored the touchdown? And receivers score in the modern game most of the touchdowns. Well,
3: I mean, look, Lynn Swan had like 380 career catches. Right. He should be in. Does he look like a Hall of Famer to you? He looks like one to me. Because he's in. Yeah, but... And you always see him with that yellow jacket. But but the point is, is there (laughs) was a long period of time when they go, well, look at his numbers. Well, the numbers are different because the game was different.
1: I almost think if you made your deliberations every year in five minutes or less, you'd get a better thing because... Like you said, Hall of Famers—you know them when you yeah. see them. You don't have to deliver it. Well, you don't some have to of them make a don't. Big argument. Some of them
3: they don't. They go Joe Montana next. Well, of course. Yeah, but but you should do that for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, John I mean, Lynch not a Hall of Famer. No, 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 no. no. And and the, why is his name? in? you know who else is? He's a there? nice guy who's affable and's been in the media. And now he's the GM of the Niners. Well, you know who else is on this list of fifteen? It's it's amazing to me. A great guy. I met him when he was a rookie. Uh, he wrote a book with Kevin Blackestone. It's an incredible story. Is, is Everson Walls? Everson Walls is not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> no. Why is he in the final 15? What's he doing there? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like they have a, they have a, a broadcaster's convention. Howard Stern, Don Imus, and Jerry Coleman. Well, you know, Jerry's a fine guy. He has a radio show in Baltimore, but that's, he's not in that group. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right, anything else on our way out the door today, Andy? Anything that's burning a hole in your pocket topic-wise? Any hot takes you need to unleash this week?
3: Uh, no, not necessarily, but I, I do, I would, I think we have not mentioned, and she did radio with me this past weekend, Carol Maloney, we'd mention that, that she's left Channel 4, and I happened to be at Charlie Brotman's uh, 90th birthday party last weekend, and Ernie Bauer said, here's the greatest trivia question in Washington. Name the four sportscasters, the top four sportscasters at the four local stations. It's currently? Hard, it's hard to name any of them. Oh, yeah. No, that that is sad. Yeah. That currently, you can't even name who's number one, and you don't even know who's number one, and I think you don't really even care at this point. I mean, I watch four most of the time. Sherry Burris, she's fine, but... Though the days of the kingpin guys like George Michael and Glenn Brenner, they're so far in the in the distance, you can't even see them anymore. Who was the sports guy and
1: anchorman? Not Brick Tamlin. He was uh, he was the weather guy. Which one? Uh, the original anchorman.
3: Oh, uh, Sports guy. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, he played by uh, the guy that plays Todd Packer in The Office. I don't watch The Office. The bald guy. Champ Kind. Oh, okay. Champ Kind and sports. <laughs> did you watch that? Oh, here's one more thing real quick out the door. Uh, I saw I, Tanya. Did you oh, see yeah, it? Oh, yeah, I did. Did you get the DVD because you're part of After. I did.
3: Okay. What's your quick thought? Uh She's looking for sympathy. She doesn't deserve it. Now, it's, it's a horrible image to see her getting hit in the head by her husband. Right. That's bad. But she's complicit in that, and she has pretty much admitted that in, in interviews, that while she wasn't part of the planning process, she heard what was going on in the background. And could have stopped it? Could have, yeah. See, I think I took away...
1: I was more sympathetic to her, no question about it, because I was also looking at Margot Robbie, who's completely hot. Much hotter than Tanya. Much hotter than Tanya Harding, uh, playing her. But I was at least sympathetic for... She had an impossible situation growing up. Yes. In a sport that was completely snooty and rigged and didn't want her, didn't want her to be the best. Right. It was definitely, the world was leaning against her. So I'm sympathetic about that. And she was involved with a bunch of loser asses up there in Portland. Yeah. You know, the Sean Eckhart character. <laughs> well, cannot, you can't write that character. No, and he great. was real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% real, which was amazing. The person I'd love to talk to about this, but I don't think it would ever happen at this point, is our friend Christine Brennan? Christine Brennan. Yeah, she'd talk to you. There'd have to be a sit-down and a repairing, (laughs) amending of some fences for some jabs thrown along the years. Well,
3: at one time you were politically aligned, but... uh, No, no.
1: She claims she's a Republican. Well, she was. She was a rhino from the
3: start. She's not a Republican. Her her father was head of the Republican Party in the state of Ohio at one point. I know. I know. uh,
1: I just, to me, she has worn me out over the years with everything being about sex sexual harassment sexual inequity and women's this women's that that's her one note she keeps playing but her expertise christine brennan is in figure skating and she was right there front and center during that whole
3: episode and i have a million questions i'd love to ask yeah um, and some she may not know but i think the one thing that you learn about tanya is she was a great athlete and that's why she was able to do that triple Lutz, which nobody else was able to do. Right. And she overcame all that stuff uh, that you just talked about and still was able to be in, on the U.S. Olympic team because of her athleticism. What if I brokered a lunch? Between the three of me, us? Me,
1: you, and Christine. And then we agreed to do a entirely Tanya <laughs> Harding podcast. podcast. 30 I- minutes on...
3: What really happened and her thoughts. I think she'd be open to that, but I think your line, what do your people want still is, sticks is with her? Still lingering. Out there. That was from that was from the Bobby Knight controversy. I know. That was so long ago. But it's come on but it, it hangs out there like a fart. <laughs> it just it just lingers. Oh, it just lingers there. And every time you go, Zabin Christine, whoof You. Of
1: course, my listeners will say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't be calling Christine Brennan a one-note yenta every time she writes about good point, you know, uh, Title IX stuff and whatever." And then break bread and do a podcast on Tanya Harding, where they're like, "It's no big deal." Right, right. But here's the thing, though. I don't, I don't hate her. I know you don't. Not at all. And I. Respect her journalistic work in her wheelhouse, which is figure skating and gymnastics. She's very good at all this other stuff Wears me out though.
3: Yeah, and I I, look I don't know if she knows any more than what's been in these movies I mean she she does maybe didn't she report on all that stuff? She reported on it, but you know I mean it look here's here's a good movie though. I liked it. I'd recommend it though. Here's you oh, yeah and here's the crazy thing about about that day of the competition between Tanya and Nancy Uh we were on five seventy in those days. And what year? Nineteen ninety-four. So this is this is pre OJ. This is when you think nothing in sports can get wilder than this. Right. And this is, you know, months before OJ. And I remember the the amount of interest and listenership was insane because this was live. When it ran on tape delay that night with Vern Lundquist doing it. It had one of the highest ratings in the history of the Olympics. And so just think of to be able to hear it live. And people were able to hear, oh, she's put her skate up there. She broke her lace. She's crying. You know, what's going to happen? Are they going to let her back on the ice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's
1: great. All right, Andy, good to talk to you. As always, enjoy the last two football games before the two-week wait for our last little meal.
3: Oh, no. Oh. Didn't you watch the promos? The Pro Bowl is coming. A Pro Bowl!
1: <laughs> you can have that Pro Bowl. And that's, yeah, you're right. That's between now the Super Bowl and the two. Yeah. Games.
3: And, and, and no more having to schlep to Hawaii. It's Orlando. Convenient Orlando. Who wouldn't want to go there? Bring the kids. The yeah. baby center. Take them to
1: Disney. Yeah. It's all in one package. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy! All right, Andy. We'll see you next week. All right, we'll end with this today. Saints punter Thomas Morstead said he is blown away blown away at Viking fans calling them quote officially ridiculous. And that's in a good way. Officially ridiculous in a good way. Apparently, as of Thursday morning, Viking fans had chipped in more than 150 grand to Morstead's charity, which is called the What You Give Will Grow charity. In what is now the latest growing trend of NFL fan bases showing appreciation for players on other teams. Now what's interesting here is that Morstead was on the losing team not the winning team. And the trend that had developed was first of all, Bills fans were sending uh, donations in $17 increments to Andy Dalton's charity uh, for his last second win over the uh, Ravens that pushed Buffalo into the playoffs. I think it was 17 the denomination. 4th and 17. 17 seconds. uh, Number of Andy Dalton. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Then the following week there were uh, I believe who was it that was donated to the Jaguars? Oh, I think Bengal fans then donated to to, uh, uh, Blake Bortles' charity because they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, the hated rival of the Cincinnati Bengals. So they're paying it forward. In this case well the Vikings beat the Saints and so why would you donate to Thomas Morstead's charity? The answer is just basically somebody on Reddit suggested they should make donations to his charity because Morstead both broke his or tore his cartilage in his ribs on a tackle on a punt early in the game and played the rest of the game in severe pain but still got his job done and then at the end of the game actually went out and lined up on defense for the fake non- extra point that the Saints had to show up for at the end of the game. And so out of respect for him being classy like that, they said, let's donate to his charity. This was all organized on Reddit, which I don't even know where Reddit is. Is it reddit.com? I've never been to Reddit. Can you believe it? And I'm probably missing out on a lot of good fun. So, yeah, so they went and they donated. I love it that, you know, this video that Morstead Uh, has for Viking fans saying hey man thanks I can't believe this This is great he looks like he's in the Almond Brothers band flowing long hair big mustache and beard Uh, he's a hell of an athlete for a punter Like the way he ran down that punt return was spectacular he was flying when he got to the punt returner and made a leaping diving tackle and for that effort Didn't break any ribs, but did tear cartilage and took a a pain-killing shot during the game that helped him finish out the game and complete his work. So there, a nice story to end on. Thomas Morstead. Meanwhile, get back to playing bass in the Doobie Brothers, bro, because you look sweet. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, all the other places. Please tell two friends. Let me know if there's somewhere else you'd like this podcast that it is not currently of course correct any and all of my mistakes tell two friends like I said any feedback is welcome ask questions at zabe at yahoo.com follow me on twitter at zabe and of course go to the website zabe.com for even more content from me and archives of these shows on soundcloud thank you uh, very much everybody and have yourselves a great Thursday we'll see you tomorrow with our picks for the conference championship games we'll see you next time